Hello and welcome to the Red Zone Report, the weekly football podcast where we talk about all things NFL. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm your co-host, Joel Fallon. Who you like in the Super Bowl, Panthers or Broncos? Cam Newton, baby. Love Screw that guy. the rest of them. <laughs> Alright, hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Red Box Report. The weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. Again, I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm your special co-host, Tom Brady, since I'm not in the Super Bowl, because I'm a current bitch. <laughs> that is no, awesome. No, just kidding. It's Joel. Still Joel. Joel Fallon, co-host. <laughs> Still co-host. You almost had me fooled for a second. Yeah, I had everybody fooled. Guaranteed. This is definitely going to be in, like, TMZ tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this week we're going to be reviewing the Razzie-nominated Fantastic Four, as well as the completely unrelated Pawn Sacrifice, and our top five Tobey Maguire movies. Uh, let's, let's start it off with the Worst Picture-nominated Fantastic Four. A um, lot of turmoil on on the set. And terrible reviews, 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, the director, like, apparently, I don't know, he got, like, something got power taken away from him, and the basically the whole movie's a mess, and they, had, like, reshot things, cut things to pieces. Not the movie he wanted. Apparently he was just an asshole, and... Jeez. Uh, didn't he, like, not sign off on the movie or something like that? Like, he didn't endorse oh, he, his own movie Yeah, afterwards. he talks shit on on Twitter about uh, the movie and all this. It's a whole thing. He's the director, Josh Trank. He directed Chronicle, a movie I love. Uh, so I was actually looking forward to this movie because I'm like... Yeah. He's got um, Miles Teller again, and he's going to do something cool with Fantastic Four because the original two movies are corny and and not very good themselves. Yeah, I remember talking about uh, when the one guy got his part, how excited we were. The guy from Creed. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan is Human Torch. Great cast, like Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan, Miles Teller, um, and Jamie Bell as The Thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I liked all the actors a lot. Yeah. I was... It's strange that, yeah, well, I won't get into it yet. <laughs> it's, it is strange. <laughs> and I was looking forward to this movie until we saw the trailer, and I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then it comes out, and the reviews are atrocious. <laughs> I kind of held out hope till pretty late that this was going to be kind of like the surprise... You know, great comic book movie of the year. You know, yeah. What Until, did you, like, what did it you got think? A closer <laughs> and, <laughs> and well, it? it was a surprise, all right. <laughs> it was just what were they thinking with this one? Seriously, holy shit! This was movie is very deserved to be nominated for worst picture of the year. The best part of the movie is like the beginning before they do anything I feel like yeah. like when he's a kid at a science fair yeah this movie's such that a train wreck that was an interesting man. kind of sort of 
I feel like 9% Rotten Tomato score is a little generous. <laughs> Jeez. Definitely one of the worst movies of the year. Like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I like all these actors, but they are given nothing to work with. No. It's weird how a movie, it's almost two hours, and there's no character development. I feel like nothing happens. Nothing. <laughs> to get you to know these people, like really get to know them. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, uh, I guess this review is going to be sort of spoiler-ish. Yeah, possibly, sorry. But you're, <laughs> screw it. Yeah, it has Do to be. Do me a favor. Um, is the dimensional thing at all in the comic books? I think so. Like, I think a bit, I've read some Fantastic Four comic books. Not, I was never huge on them, but there was this thing where they would go into, it had a name. It was some kind yeah. of other, some zone, they would call it. It was like another dimension. But it wasn't like that. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Like, the kind of twist they put on it. Like, they usually get their powers more for Spider-Man-ish, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Kind of an accident. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know what to say. This movie is not good. Yeah, I'm. It's like there's no fun at all. It's so bleak and dull. Uh, the special effects aren't even that great. No, the color palette's really strange. It's real blue and, and a lot of blues and oranges, greens and bright oranges and. Yeah, and like I said, I you spend so long. Before they get their powers, but they don't interact with each other all that much. Everything's so messy and incoherent and convoluted. And then they get their powers, and all of a sudden, it's a year later. <laughs> they fast forward to a year later for some reason. So they're already in control and so have the done first all this part of the stuff. Movie is essentially worthless. <laughs> yes, and they've already done all these exploits without Reed Richards and then he comes back they fight Doom doesn't last long and that's it <laughs> it's like there's a ton of deleted scenes there has in this to be movie that got the rest of the movie cut or something I don't see any way that the guy that made Chronicle can make a movie this bad like I mean, even if his version would still be bad, at least it had to have made more sense. And it had to have more character development. It just had to. I can only imagine this movie got ruined in part by... It has to be partially the director's fault, at least. Oh, yeah, I'm not doubting that. But it seems they had to have, like, made a lot of last-minute alterations or not made decisions in the first place about the movie or something. Yeah, for it to be so, it's almost like they shot a bunch of placeholder stuff, and it ended up being so much that it was, that was it or something. Yeah, or not literally all placeholder stuff, but I just didn't understand the relationship between a lot of pointless stuff was really dragged out. Mm-hmm. I didn't un like understand the relationship between anyone, like Reed Richards and Ben Grimm. 
I don't understand why they were so close friends. I don't understand the whole family, the Storm family. Like, nothing is explained. They're, they're all doing their own thing. Yeah. And, and the Fantastic Four is supposed to be about how this is a close-knit family. Like Family. They have yeah. the, like, the best chemistry of any superhero team. And it's just not there at all. This is not what the Fantastic Four is. And, like, like you were saying, you don't understand the relationships. Like, Ben Graham, what's the other guy's name? Um, Johnny Storm? Yeah. Reed Richards? Reed Richards. Sorry. Brain fart. <laughs> like, the only part of the relationship that was established is in the very, very beginning when he comes over to his house to see the machine that he built. Yeah. And the only thing he does is hand him, like, a Swiss Army knife that has a screwdriver and says, you're going to strip the screw. (laughs) So just that scene is supposed to imply that they got along so good because he was kind of the smarts and he was, like, mechanically inclined. Yeah. To help him build, but I just, I don't know why. I think I, oh yeah, I paused it kind of at this point, and I rewound it a little bit, and I was just thinking about it a lot. And I was thinking a lot more was like, going to pan out with that. And that was it. Yeah, that's it. It should have been like the kids from Cop Car. You know, like, super close friends. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. No forethought put into this movie. And there's no, like, comedy at all. It's, it takes itself all too seriously. There's no emotional depth. Everything is surface level to the extreme. <laughs> you don't feel anything when people die. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Doom is an embarrassment. <sighs> I thought it could not possibly be worse than the Doctor Doom from the original uh, movie from Fox. The guy from uh, Nip Tuck or whatever. But they managed to do it. Um, he is like on the mission with them. <laughs> and they're friendly with him. And then all of a sudden, he's a supervillain. Yeah. Um, that's a shame because I was excited. Doctor Doom's kind of one of my more favorite villains. Yeah, he's a badass villain. I guess it's his costume is what is throwing them off because I guess it doesn't translate extremely well to the screen. Yeah, but he's an iconic just villain in comic book history. <laughs> but actually, if you think about it, they make Kylo Ren's helmet work, and yeah, it's like the Man in the Iron Mask. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like if they actually put some effort into it, they could have made it work, but I don't know. They probably just at some point realized this movie wasn't going to do super well. They may even went into it being like, the first movie might not do great, but we're going to establish like a basis to make more movies, you know? But, yeah, I I hope they don't make any more. Yeah, but uh, they yeah, this this whole thing's getting torched for sure. <laughs> they already had announced Fantastic Four two and its release date, and then they put it, pulled it off the schedule. 
I think they might try to do a hybrid Fantastic Four X Men movie, which actually could be kind of cool. But yeah, it's one of the think, few things that would work. I don't think it's the cast that it's that's the problem. I think it's the writing here. Like the dialogue is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I don't know. The Fantastic Four to me are a little bit of the equivalent to Superman and DC. For me, just like symbolically, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't find them that interesting all the time. I just think, I didn't uh, read a lot of their comics, so I just think Michael B. Jordan could be such an awesome Human Torch. I do think Miles Teller is a terrible Reed Richards. Yeah, well, I mean, he's supposed to be older anyway. But he's supposed to be this nerdy guy and not some guy who looks like he could beat you up and he's cocky sometimes for no reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There really wasn't much good to say about the movie except, yeah, I do agree, Michael B. Jordan could be good. Could be. (laughs) Yeah, the only good thing I can say about the movie is they're actually... I thought when, like, they barely show them using their powers. But when they do, it's not bad. Yeah. I would have liked to seen more power usage and uh, wish they didn't skip a whole entire first year of of them having their powers. <laughs> <laughs> and more teamwork would have been nice. As well as, uh, now I'm just going back to negatives. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I mean... Going back to the older Fantastic Four movie, even though that wasn't very good, the most interesting part of that movie was them kind of first getting the powers and seeing how they used their powers outside Mm -hmm. of just, like, fighting crime or whatever the hell they did in the first movie. For sure. But I do remember that was kind of fun, just seeing, like, Torch flirting with girls and, like, I forget what he did, make a jacuzzi or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also liked the... There's like a horror aspect to the movie. Which is kind of in at random places. But it actually works pretty well when it's there. Like, when they get their powers, it's kind of like agonizing how Reed is just stretched all out. Doesn't know what's going on. And all a that. little uh, Watchman-ish. Yeah. And then kind like, like when Doctor Doom is just blowing people's heads up. In their spacesuits, that's pretty yeah. awesome. That was pretty awesome. It's from a completely different movie, but it was pretty cool. That's about all I can say positively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm digging. <laughs> the climax. Uh, the climax is very lackluster. Like the final fight is just not, not that fun. The action sucks. <laughs> there are scenes from the trailers that aren't in the movie. Like, the scene, really? the main scene from the trailer where they drop the thing from the airplane or whatever to do they, some kind of bomb them. was definitely not in there. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I guess that's just more credence that they cut the shit out of it. Yeah, it didn't have much of a client it prematured oh. <laughs> definitely premied premature uh, climax is always a problem yeah but yeah I don't know what else to say that's probably about it yeah this movie sucks 
don't recommend it in any way, shape, or form. This movie sucks. I gave it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I give it a three out of ten. I'll give it a four for it being fantastic. Oh, nice. Better or Just, worse than Fifty Shades of Grey? Um, worse? I would say worse, too. <laughs> this definitely would have cracked my top five <laughs> worst movies from last year if it was a last year review. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So, sorry, Jupiter Ascending. You have to stay on the list. All right. That close. That close. Let's you move... <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the other superhero movie, Pawn Sacrifice. <laughs> the story of chess prodigy Bobby Fischer. Uh, starring Toby Maguire and... What's his face? I don't know. I like him as an actor. I never can remember his name. Goon. Yeah. Goon. He's in all kinds of stuff. He's even in like the Da Vinci Code. Yeesh. Looking it up. Leaf Schreiber. There we go. <laughs> Directed by Robert Zwick. He's made some pretty good movies. Um... Last Samurai. Awesome. Defiance, Love and Other Drugs, Blood Diamond. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> Traffic was a producer. Never mind. He, he's, he's not someone that makes great movies, but he makes solid movies. Um, yeah, it's basically just the story of Bobby Fischer when he was a grown-up, and I guess not the young prodigy superstar but it's I think it's a true story of him going against all the chess masters to try to get to the the best Russian chess master played by Liev Schreiber in a game they play yeah and his like bipolar disorder mental issues uh, yeah what the hell was wrong he was like paranoid Big I don't know if he was schizophrenic, but he was paranoid and anxious. And... Yeah. It's got, it had a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. So good, not great scores from critics. Um, I was interested in the movie. I thought the trailer looked good. How about you? Um, I was pretty interested in the whole subject, so, and I liked it with McGuire, so I was kind of looking forward to it. I, I didn't expect it to be a great movie though I sort of went into it expecting it to be kind of like middle of the road sort of like uh, Love Mercy or sort of how I went into uh, Bridge of Spies like Stanford Prison Experiment yeah like it'd be interesting but it wouldn't be exceptional yeah just go through the motions but be enjoyable but I thought it was okay. I overall enjoyed it. Yeah, I it's mean, it was very perfect. watchable. Yeah. I didn't love it. It's I feel a little like, bit generic. Yeah, very. It had a lot of things that I liked about it, but then it had a lot of things that I didn't like about it. 
I liked how they used the archive footage. The soundtrack was of the time. Like the whole look of it and feel of it definitely felt like it was supposed to be the time it was supposed to be. Period. Yeah. Piece. Um, how'd you think about Tobey Maguire's? I didn't think it was his best performance. Not his best. I thought he had good moments, but it seemed like he was just playing a paranoid, cocky Peter Parker. (laughs) Yeah, I thought uh, a little bit in the beginning, a little bit, and in the middle, he was a little bit too in between. Like, even though he was like a... Uh, crazy he still seemed kind of normal about it but I thought he did pretty good towards the end when like with his eyes just kind of seeing that yeah oh he was definitely solid Um, Uh, I liked his uh, lawyer though the guy from Boardwalk Empire oh I see I had I I don't know what his name is Uh, Michael Stuhlberg yeah or something something like that yeah, he. I, I actually. He was pretty good. My favorite character was Peter Sarsgaard, the minister or priest or whatever, that for uh, some yeah. reason is just following him around everywhere. <laughs> that guy is always good as an actor, and I just felt like he ever seemed like a figment of Bobby's imagination at times. He yeah, just shows he's up, sort of like his conscience. Yeah, he just shows up at the most opportune times to calm him down and. I don't know. Like, I don't understand why he's there, but I was glad he was. Yeah, if that was a fiction story, he would have been imaginary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I like that. Um, I liked how him, Bobby Fischer, and the Russian guy, Spassky, they're both, you know, being used by their own governments to, like, push yeah. their agendas. Yet, they think... They're the shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a scene I really liked where... I think it's right after the point where he really has a kind of breakdown and, like, tears his, everything apart. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the... He really makes him seem crazy, thinking his phone's tapped and all. And then they go to the Russian guy, and he kind of... Same exact Does same. the same thing. Yeah. And... He sort of makes Bobby slightly more sane, at least in his ideas, but he's definitely personally ill. Tortured, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, I never knew chess could drive you so insane. Yeah. But it does show, like, the level of dedication that you need to excel at the game. Like, to know everything that, at that level, is just crazy. Yeah, I was in... He probably had that, like, his whole life. He probably just coped by obsessively playing chess or something. It's almost like you have to have something wrong with you to be that good at chess. I don't know if that's right, but, like, it's just something that you can put all your focus in to ignore the real world or whatever. Not to mention they kind of imply that... uh, like, the Russian guy implies that Bobby Fischer might not be totally consciously doing it, but it was almost to, like, throw people off. Yeah, psycho like, make them out. comfortable. Yeah. 
And he does say that, like, kind of in the movie, like, the Russians, you have to play, like, unpredictable and kind of aggressive, and all they'll do is react or something like that. Yeah, because they're so trained, like, they're clearly better than Americans for some reason. Yeah, he says they play, like, machines or something like (laughs) that. Yeah, I've never been good at chess. Mm -mm. I think it's an interesting game, but... I, I just can't get to that level of it. Yeah. I wonder, they probably teach it more like a sport over there, though. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. They probably understand kind of early on. Like, you gotta know. I feel like we're just taught the general rules and thrown into it. Like, right, there's no, like, <laughs> this is a strategy. <laughs> yeah, and I actually liked some of the chess scenes when they had them. There weren't many. But I thought they were effective. Maybe it's because I don't know the game super well. Like, I know the basic moves, but when they're doing, like, oh, he went here, could you believe he did that? And yeah, I kinda but as little it. as they play chess, they actually kind of play chess the whole... Yeah, right, exactly. Not, like, literally, but they'll just, like, throw a scenario out. Like, uh, at one point, they're so good, him and the priest, they're just... Seeing the numbers. Yeah, I was going to say, they're like playing audio chess. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like, just to, when he's uh, walking around pissed <laughs> off, he's like, Bishop to seven, R7 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, um, interesting little fact. I have the Sherlock Holmes movies on Blu-ray. Cause mm-hmm. I got them for like five bucks for the collection. Sure, sure. And I guess the second one they play chess and they said back in the day that was like a thing where grandmasters would show up and they would play chess without a board. That's like awesome. That was like a, you know, like being a real professional. Mm-hmm. You do stuff like that. So I thought that was an interesting touch. Yeah, for sure. Solid but it is pretty crazy how chess is that big throughout the world. Yeah. I'm a checkers kind of guy. Yeah, checkers championship. Queen me. But anyway, what's your overall think about it? I thought it was a solid script. Um, I liked how they almost made his craziness funny at times, or at least from for as humorless of a person as Bobby Fischer apparently seemed to be. Because like even when he was a kid, he was just completely dead serious at all times. They had fun with like the media when they're interviewing him. He's like, they listen from your fillings and your teeth. Like his paranoia is like got some laughs. I felt like, um, and I just I don't know. I just felt yeah. very conventional. Yeah, they didn't uh, take too many chances, but I don't know overall. I didn't know if we actually needed this to be a dramatized film. This seemed like it could have been a TV special or documentary and it got the point across a little bit better. Yeah. And I kind of think they should have went more of the angle of the bigger picture more than just Bobby Fischer. I thought it would have been more interesting to hear more about the Russians and maybe what some of the other chess people thought or... Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I feel like they kind of buried the lead with the whole Jewish man being an anti-Semite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of nonchalant about that, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they barely mentioned it. But that's pretty crazy. 
and there's so much other stuff after all that him being a freaking nut child should uh watch adam schefter's dad was the one who covered him back in the day and he did a follow-up it was pretty cool yeah i like that the end of the movie when they showed like a interview of him when he was much older and just he just seemed like a basket case yeah and we would have liked to seen that that deep dive but yeah i don't know very middle of the road for me i gave it a six out of ten give it a i don't know I give it a solid six and a half. It was I was up in the air between a really light seven, but kind of six and a half. Sounds good. And Toby Maguire, he was the star here. What do you yeah. think of him overall as an actor? You like him? Above average. Yeah, slightly above average, I'd say. Yeah. I feel like. He, He's always in a pretty decent movie. I just don't think he's ever the greatest in them, but hey. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Um, he does have movies that are sort of the, in the middle of the road, leaning towards, eh. Seems to make him slightly more enjoyable. But, I don't know. Not incredible, but pretty good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, I'll kick off the top five Toby Maguire movies with number five, Pleasantville. This is when him and Reese Witherspoon were this uh, these kids. I guess it was like the 50s or 30s. I can't remember, but it's like they're in black and white. And then I think I'm thinking of the right movie. They go into like a world of color and it opens up their whole worldview and it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember liking it quite a bit. Ever Pretty seen cool. it? Um, uh, I definitely haven't seen all of it. I feel like I've caught caught part of it on TV before, though. Yeah. What's your number five? My number five is Spider-Man. First one. Gotcha. Um... That's his I don't most know. It's iconic a decent role. movie. I wasn't super into it like other people were, though. Like who? Uh, do you other know? people. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably his most iconic role. He'll forever be known best as Spider-Man. Yeah, probably. But usually, your most famous role isn't your strongest. True. True. That's that's what I'm going with. All right, my number four is The Great Gatsby, uh, a Great. movie that I think is very underrated. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Again, he wasn't my favorite part of the movie. Leonardo DiCaprio would be my favorite part of the movie. Oh, definitely. But um, I love the movie overall. I just thought it had a great vibrance to it. Loved the music, the vibe, the, just, just enjoyed the hell out of watching it. Alright, well, actually, I misread this. Spider-Man is really supposed to be number four. Um, just because the movie I was picking, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, 
Okay. It's a pretty awesome movie, but he is only in it for like five minutes. Yeah. But I, I still put it on there because it's kind of an iconic movie at this point. Cult classic. I've never got into it. It's crazy. I don't know. It's I don't like it as much as like some other people. Charlie. <laughs> like yeah, like our cousins and stuff. Brooks yeah. loves it. Yeah. I appreciate it, but I don't like. I can't sit down and watch it all the time. I actually uh, like it. There's a Bill Murray movie about him called Where the Buffalo Room. That's pretty good. Cool. It'll eat more palatable. Yeah, it's oh, it's off to all. Uh, yeah. losing. I'd like to give it another chance. It's but, still crazy. Bill Murray's pretty awesome in it, but that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that sounds good. My number three is the original Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I think he, he's a great Peter Parker. He, he's that just passive, doe-eyed, like, dork, yeah. dorky-looking kind of guy. But can be kind of smart. Like a smart ass. Yeah. See, I feel like Peter... I mean, uh, Tobey Maguire is a great Peter Parker, and Andrew Garfield is a great... Spider-Man, Spider-Man. In, in the suit. Like, combine them, and I think that would be perfect. I think Garfield really looks like a Peter Parker. I mean, they both kind of do. But yeah, yeah. Like, in the face, at least. Yeah, I think Andrew Garfield is a better character of Spider-Man, but I think Tobey Maguire was in the better movies, for sure. Um, that first one, I really like... Just the way they set up that world had never been done before it was the big probably the biggest comic book superhero did not have a movie yet and i just feel like they did a as good of a job as you could possibly expect yeah all right uh what are we on number three yep i am going with sea biscuit all right that's my number two sweet um love it it's a pretty good movie. I like the story and all better than I actually like the movie. I like the uh, horse racing action. Like they really put you down as the, like you're there with the jockey on that horse. Yeah, the but sound I mean, design. And all that. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, I was just saying the sound design is great for that. Oh yeah, for sure. I love horse racing too. Um. But I was going to say, it has been so long since I've seen it, I might be getting parts of the movie Secretary mixed up with it a little bit. Yeah, it's been a while for me, too. So. Yeah, I think it's probably the best horse racing movie ever made. Yeah, like, serious. Like, Let It Ride's awesome. It's, like, different. Yeah. (laughs) And that's another one I'd like to rewatch to see how it holds up. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is The Great Gatsby. Nice. For all the reasons we've stated. Yeah, uh, he's a good Nick Carraway. I mean, I don't know too, too much. but or, Fuck, I fucked up again. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Gatsby is supposed to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. I announced the winner. Yep. It's for suspense. <laughs> what's, your <number laughs> one? what's your actual number two? 
actual number two is uh, Brothers. Oh, yeah, that's an honorable mention for me. That's a good movie. Yeah. I like Jake Gyllenhaal in that. They actually... Yeah, look, it's kind of an underrated movie. Yeah, they actually do kind of look like Brothers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a nice thriller. I didn't think it was great, obviously, or would have made my top five, but it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Spider-Man 2. The best of the Spider-Man movies. Dr. Octopus, one of the best villains in a comic book movie. Uh, the way Sam Raimi directs the him first getting his like octopus limbs and killing the doctors is very horror-esque. Speaking of horror elements from Fantastic Four, he did, did it way better here in Spider-Man 2. Um, just thought it was one of the best comic book movies ever made Spider-Man 2 so uh, how's Spider-Man 3 doesn't it have Venom it has Venom Sandman and Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin returning so too many when I watched it in theaters for the first time I was I guess just blind to the faults and I enjoyed it on rewatch and second thought it's not very good that sucks. I wish someone could do those guys good. Or like, I would like to see Carnage. Yeah. I, well, but apparently he would have to be really, really well done CGI wise. Like they would have to do all that crazy stuff coming off. Yeah. I mean, I think they could, but apparently, I at least they were. Sony was scheduled to make a Venom movie and a Sinister Six movie. I don't know if they still are or not, but those seem like two pretty cool ideas if they're done right yeah I always liked Venom oh yeah he was kind of an he anti-hero did. but a little more on the bad side yeah he's like the Punisher one of those kind of guys yeah he's the Walter White of <laughs> comedy yeah <laughs> uh, yeah my only other honorable mention for Toby Maguire would be the Cider House Rules yeah which I just randomly watched on regular TV one day and liked it. I was going to say I saw it on regular TV a long time ago. <laughs> Paul Rudd is in it in a not comedic role. It's, yeah. it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's Michael Caine, I believe. Uh, it's a good drama. Yeah, it's, I haven't seen it since then, actually. Yeah. I remember it, when it came out, though, I just remember people were like raving about it. I'm seeing it on like the news. Yeah, the apple orchard. <laughs> Did you watch anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. What did I watch? Talk about any of the uh, Oscar movies that you happened to see recently. The Revenant. I haven't finished The Revenant actually. No. Uh, I've seen at least half of it. Well, we'll give it its fair shake once it comes out on uh, Redbox. Yeah. I watched... Uh, what was I saying? I watched uh, Jobs or whatever. Steve Jobs. hope you didn't yeah. watch Jobs. The I've Kutcher seen Jobs. <laughs> Which is, in a way, a better movie. In a way. <laughs> is it? The people... He looks way more like him, and he acts way more like him, actually. 
But I'm looking the forward overall to Steve quality Jobs. of the movie is much better with the newer one. Michael Fassbender really doesn't look much like him at all. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not a huge jobber, so... I don't yeah, know. I'm really not either. But they do show a more realistic portrait of him. Uh, not just like I just, kind of prickly genius. He's yeah. kind of like a douche. I like the concept of just picking three big moments and then like just expand, like having those expanded as the main yeah. crux of the movie. Yeah, and uh, but what's your face? Girlfriend Titanic is amazing, actually. Kate Winslet. Yeah, in a very like unglamorous kind of way. I heard she says, "I got a job for you right here." Yeah. <laughs> or not yeah I, um, she won the Golden Globe for that really yeah I like her as an actress she's really good yeah um but overall my I watched The Hateful Eight that has been my favorite oh yeah yeah I've heard kind of mixed things about it yeah see that's why it was kind of one of the last ones I've watched but I love Tarantino. I just—is it better than Inglorious Bastards or Django? Well, it's sort of a different movie. It has elements of them. It's kind of not as over the top, but it still is at the same time. It's still a Tarantino movie. Yeah, it's a little more in the vein of Reservoir Dogs, but. I heard it's Definitely Reservoir has some Django elements too. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs plus Django uh, equals Hatefully. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. It's kind of like a classic western, but it's also like a classic. Like it's a clue almost. I heard it's like somehow even makes a statement on our like what's going on now, even though it's so old, like the uh, setting. Like with the racism and and uh, like um, authority figure stuff. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. It's kind of mentioned, but it kind of goes out the window as well. Uh, I don't know. I I wouldn't. I don't want to give anything. About yeah, the and we're gonna review it's, it um, obviously down the road. And I like the movie is in like chapters. And at certain points, it'll go to a new chapter, and I believe it's Tarantino will narrate it, and they'll kind of be like, when we last saw them, this, this, and this. And it'll kind of sum up something that would take a long time to just portray through. Because, hmm. you know, he's not on the nose at all. Like, his characters oh, yeah. won't, like, say they're playing out loud. Yeah, he's, for as um, audacious of a filmmaker as he is, he could be subtle, you know. With his points. Yeah. But, uh, you know how he, like, films in different... I don't know. Like, yeah, his yeah, shit's yeah. just not in order, usually. Oh, yeah. And he loves doing that chapter stuff. So, like, I don't know. Just the way they did it with this movie is by far my favorite. Like, how it was edited. Cool. Because it kind of does that forward-backward stuff, but it's... In such a more logical way, and it's easy to follow, but 
sort of hard to explain because when you actually watch it, it's not super easy to follow. But after the movie's over, it's like all there in your head. You know what I mean? Like not much gets lost on you. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely... It, as long as you pay attention. And how it all comes full circle and all. I don't know. It, it's really enjoyable. Um, we're, it's three. It's long, right? It's three hours long? Yeah. But I have a feeling he can make that time go by pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it took me two watches the first time. But that wasn't, like, the movie's fault. Mm-hmm. Time constraints and whatnot, but... Yeah, I'm definitely can't wait to see it. Let's see. I watched watched a couple movies. First up, Meadowland, or Meadowland, um, sent to me from Lionsgate. Um, this is a movie starring Olivia Wilde and Luke Wilson as a married couple who are like on a road trip with their young son, who looks to be about five or six ish. And they stop at a gas station, and he goes to use the restroom, and he goes missing. And then the movie jumps to a year later, and they never found him. And the rest of the movie is just about, like, how they cope with it. And, like, Olivia Wilde's character starts cutting herself and doing all this, this very disruptive stuff. And she's a teacher in a school... And she, like, gets a very close attachment with this autistic kid. Ends up sleeping with the autistic kid's father. And Luke Wilson's character Whoa. is a... That's pl- not where I thought that was going. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's teaching, like, elementary school. They were really going for an Oscar there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Luke Wilson is a police officer, and he, he takes it in a different way, which is... Uh, dealing with his depression and all and very heavy movie very well acted I felt like I was detached from it but I think that was subconsciously intentionally on my own part just because I don't need (laughs) to be getting all upset about that when I have kids of my own it's like a movie that was sat on top of the DVD player for like a week or two before I even put it in (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to watch it but um, it is well done there are things about it that I felt like was a little tacky I don't know but the best the thing, best part about it is Olivia Wilde's performance as the mom really yeah she's she's great Luke Wilson's pretty good too but I just found myself not wanting to watch it while I'm watching it. And I feel like if it was a better movie, it would have pulled me out of that mode. Maybe it would have, I would have started that way, but if a movie was enticing enough, it would have got me to care more. You know, I would yeah. kept it at a distance, and I've just felt like it should have been able to bridge that gap. That's kind of how I always felt about Requiem for a Dream. Like, it's a really fucked up, sad yeah. movie. Yeah. And... But it's so captivating to me, or at least it was, that I could keep watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six and a half out of ten. Like, like I said, it's very well made. I like, I liked it more than Paul and Sacrifice*, but just for the subject matter, if I'm gonna wait, like, spend two hours of my time watching kids die and shit like that, it has to be really good. 
Olivia Wilde hasn't been in much lately, has she? She's had smaller roles, like in her. She's in her, I think, and uh, she's been in some stuff, but nothing like nothing big. Major, yeah, yeah. Also watched Russell Crowe's directorial debut, The Water Diviner, which is the uh, one. didn't escape mixed reviews. Oh at yeah, best. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was on HBO. I recorded it and was like, ah, what the hell. Um, Weird movie. It's like magical realism kind of. He's a guy in Australia who (laughs) he can tell the future by like, I don't know. It was a weird, weird movie where he has these three kids who go to war with some other country and they die and he goes there to get the remains I just was barely following it it really was just background noise and it didn't really get me so (laughs) uh, I'll give it a 5 out of 10 it had some interesting shots pretty generous (laughs) yeah It it wasn't terrible it just was like I don't know what's going on yeah had a decent performance and looked good, but... I just didn't care. Didn't, yeah, I did not care. Didn't care to care. Didn't do anything for me. Um, a couple TV things. Finished my Game of Thrones rewatch. Oh, man. We are, Record time. Yeah. And it wasn't even me that was pushing forward. It was Sam, my wife. She was just like, we gotta, we gotta watch another one, we gotta watch another one. <laughs> like Mackenzie, here's the. I can stop whenever I want. <laughs> Mackenzie, here's your Kindle. Go in another room, watch it, so I can watch another episode. Uh, like she was watching episodes without me. <laughs> it was what if they did a kids cut of Game of Thrones? It'd be like five minutes long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole show. Fifteen minute episodes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, and I think it's cool that she's caught up now. We can watch it on a week-to-week basis with the new season. Um, yeah, I my season rankings stay the same. I did enjoy the late, latest season a little bit more on rewatch, but still had the same kind of issues as I did before. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of waiting to do the rewatch on the last season because I watched like the first four episodes or so so many times that they're sort of unwatchable to me. Mm-hmm. Not that they're bad or anything. I just, I literally put one of them on, like watch two of them a night for a while. Yeah. But, uh... That, the eighth episode of the last season, Hard Home, still, uh, yeah. the last 30 Hard. minutes of that episode, Beyond the Wall, is like, might be my favorite thing the show has ever done. Yeah. Which well, is just so best... weird because the rest of the season doesn't live up to that quality. One of the their stronger TV moments ever. Yeah. Which are TV history moments, essentially. Yeah, I would say so. But uh, have you seen the three little teasers? No, I, I heard about them, but I didn't watch them. But, uh, the one implies Danny's in trouble. It has a Dothraki guy speaking, and it's like a millionth of your name, queen of nothing, 
I heard it's like insinuating like no one's having a good time. Yeah, I don't. None of them are very um, positive. <laughs> yeah. What is about the show? If anyone's is, it's the Lannisters, but it's not even really so much for them. Cool. But yeah. I don't know. I only briefly looked at it myself. But. Yeah, April 24th. I'm looking forward to it, even though I was disappointed in the last season and we're going to be beyond the books. Eh, I, I think there's... you got to think, most, even some of the greatest shows ever have weaker seasons. Yeah, that's true. I, that's why I'm. So, I'm still I mean, looking forward to. They've been pretty strong, otherwise. Oh yeah, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff they can do with Bran and his new powers. Like just seeing stuff that happened in the past, and oh yeah, just like knowing that he's watching what's going on now in certain aspects. I think it could and be what, pretty cool. What do you think? Like the weakest two seasons are like the last one and what, like season two? Yep, I would say. Season four is my favorite. Then season three, which makes sense because they're both adapting the third book, which is my favorite book ever written. And then I'd say season one just did a great job of setting up everything. Oh, yeah. And then probably season two because at least it's a little bit weaker of a season, but I still think it's pretty darn good. And it has Blackwater, which is a great episode. Yeah, well, that was going to be like my point. Look at... The two weakest seasons have two of the, two best, of like the best moments yeah. in the whole series, which is interesting. I guess it's like their whole point, purpose they, is to lead to one thing. and Yeah. Yeah, they finish pretty strong usually. Yeah, oh yeah. Weaker seasons. Like, there's... So it's almost like they know it, you know? Mm-hmm. Look, uh, even season five, which is one of which I wasn't really happy with, made my top ten of TV for the year. So, Yeah. It's a, on a different scale almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I watched the first episode of Making a Murderer, which everyone was talking about a month ago. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I turned it on one night, and I was, I was exhausted. I, I don't even remember anything about it. I... I've I've listened to so many podcasts about it and read read about it before I even started watching it. So it's almost like rehash, even though I haven't seen it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the first episode, it is really good. It's well made. I, I'm going to keep going. It might take us a while because I'm watching it with Sam again. And uh, yeah, this thing is like this guy Stephen Avery is committed of a sexual assault and attempted murder. Goes to jail. For 18 years before DNA evidence exonerates him. And then like a week after he gets out of jail. They find a dead body. And he's convicted of murder. And it's basically. Yeah. It's basically like. They and just he, tried and to get him back in there. And he's back in jail. Like to this day. And basically the whole documentary I think is going to be like from here on. After the first episode is like. The whole trial and and all this stuff and how it's a lot of shady stuff going on. That's crazy. Yeah, um, there's a lot of shady stuff going on over in that part of the world. Wisconsin. Freaking, well, not just I just mean like the Oregon thing. They came from a different state. Are they still no shooting? Are they the other still? Day, the uh, other day they got no shootout houses? and one of them got killed. All the leaders got arrested and there's still some I think unless they left. 
That was just so bizarre. The whole thing was dumb. I love how people sent them like sex objects, sex <laughs> sex toys when they were asking for all this stuff. And that was like Native American land and stuff like that. I how was like, Mal? What how, did we do? How is Mal getting through? That's what uh, I want to know. It seemed like the very most accommodating to them. Yeah, it was while. the most passive uh, hostage or whatever situation ever. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were just like these people are crazy. Maybe if we just make them think they won. Yeah, I didn't. Because I saw they were like, we'll give you a ride to the border and stuff. Like, no problem. Just leave. <laughs> No, we're going to stand up for our rights out here and point guns at federal agents and not get shot because we're white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. But not diving that deep. <laughs> I also watched the first episode of the new half an hour comedy on FX, Baskets, starring Zach Galifianakis. Oh, I did hear about this. As a clown, or he wants to be a clown. And he's he go he's in France, even though he doesn't speak French. He's trying to go to clown school in France. That uh, it's it's pretty funny. Um, I didn't love the first episode, but I did laugh a lot. Like I wasn't super interested in the plot, but on an individual scene by scene basis, I definitely laughed a little bit. You know. Yeah, I there. can't think of too many other people that could pull it off either. <laughs> The whole clown thing. Uh, is there any other like people, like guests on no. the show, or is it pretty much just him? I didn't think there was anything too notable other than like Louis Anderson plays his mom. Um <laughs> 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 uh, it's it's worth checking out. It comes on I think second episode aired tonight, so um FX, I'm sure you'll can be able to catch reruns. It's worth looking into. <laughs> There's a scene where he's going through the drive-thru trying to order a drink and he's just asking for the weirdest things like uh, we don't have that a Schweppes, how about a Schweppes <laughs> uh, I can only see a handful of people being able to play like that role, like him like Will Ferrell mm-hmm. or I don't and know it's maybe per- a couple of guys that'd be like I could see that guy from uh, the other Netflix show kind of being on it. The Indian guy. I'm blanking on his name. I see. Sorry or whatever. Oh, Aziz? Yeah. Uh, I had another one, but I can't really think of <laughs> Yeah, it's very Zach Galifianakis. Like, it's very him. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But it's produced by Louis C.K. Stand-up. Oh, movie, okay. So... It's got that going for it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Actually, his stand-up's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious. I've never actually really watched his shows. I've actually heard pretty good things about it, though. I think it's overrated, but it's it's okay. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I watched. All right. And no news is good news, because we just did that on the last episode, and (laughs) pre-judgment day on the last episode. Slow time of year for news anyway, really. Yeah. In theaters this weekend. Or, shit, by the time this comes out, it was last weekend. (laughs) Um, Fifty Shades of Black, the Fifty Shades of Grey parody movie. Gotta love those. Yeah. 
I'm sure it will make a lot of money though. Uh, yep. Kung Fu Panda Three is coming out. That's going to make right. a lot of money. Make a lot. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the original Kung Fu Pandas? Did you ever see any? Um. Nah. I mean, I've caught like a bit or a piece or two on TV or something, but I've never watched the whole one. I actually really like the first one. I've heard good things about them, actually. I yeah. wouldn't mind watching them. first one's a lot of fun. I actually, it sounds like so stupid, but uh, <laughs> I love how bright the colors are. <laughs> it's just it's a very vibrant movie to watch. Um, but the second one I don't really remember much from. I, can't, I remember thinking it was okay, but like nothing comes to mind, and I know I saw it. But So, I don't know. I'll check out the third one eventually. Also, The Finest Hours, starring um, the guy from Star Trek, Chris Pine, (laughs) in a, it seems like, the the Perfect Storm redux. Uh, It's like the ship that gets caught out in a huge storm. It's getting uh, mixed reviews. I don't know. And lastly, Jane Got a Gun. Which we watched a trailer for last year with Natalie Portman in another western, the hottest new genre in town. I hope there's good ones that come out. Yeah. And on Redbox, next episode, we will be reviewing Diary of a Teenage Girl. It's Joel's Diary, by the way. I've been keeping it for years. (laughs) And Goosebumps. So that's like a diary of a teenage boy there. <laughs> Completely different from as far as I know about these movies. I feel like, didn't Goosebumps just come out in theaters? Not like super not long all ago. All that long ago? Yeah. Hey, Spectre's already coming out on Blu-ray in two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, also coming out on Redbox is Hitman, Agent 47, Chirac, Burnt, in Woodlawn, uh, Chirac is the latest Spike Lee joint. Actually, got pretty solid reviews. Really? Yeah, but I don't know. Something about it is an interest. It's it's like a musical of some sorts, or a very <laughs> poetic lyrical movie. I don't know. Maybe I should give it a chance, but just from what I've heard about it, I don't know if it's going to be up my alley. I've heard kind of crappy things about it, but not like from. Like an official critic, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's on uh, Amazon Prime or whatever for free now. So I don't know. Burnt was the what's the guy? American Sniper, Bradley Cooper, like yeah. cook comedy. I got I've terrible seen some reviews. Of this. It's a eh. Yeah. And Woodlawn is a football movie, and I think it has something to do with religion. So, not watching that. (laughs) We should review it on the Red Zone Report, though. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And the latest go at Hitman apparently was another failure, so we're not going to review that. Yeah. All right, we'll catch you next time. I didn't think they had picked a good actor for Hitman, by the way, but anyway. Yeah, the guy from Homeland. I actually like him on Homeland, but... I like him, but yeah. Yeah, Rupert something or other. 
All right, let's wrap this puppy up. Email us. <laughs> Email us the Red Box Report at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Red Box Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oil Report. I'm on Twitter at the RBR Joe. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. Anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there, theredboxreport.com. And on Letterboxd, I am at the Oral Report. And check out the Red Zone Report. Coming to you live from the Red Zone. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Peace out, folks. Later.